Welcome to the Dhamma Podcast. The audio recording that follows was recorded during S.N. Goenka's tour of North America in 2002, known as the Meditation Now Tour. This podcast will be updated monthly, with additional archives from S.N. Goenka's talks and questions and answer sessions, as well as other speakers discussing aspects of Vipassana meditation as taught by S.N. Goenka. This podcast is sponsored by Pariyati, a nonprofit publisher that offers written, audio, and video content and whose mission is to enrich the world by disseminating the words of the Buddha, providing sustenance for the seeker's journey, and illuminating the meditator's path. For more information regarding Pariyati, please go to www.pariyati.org. That is www.pariyati.org. For more information on Vipassana meditation as taught by S. Goenka, including a schedule of courses offered throughout the world, please see www.dhamma.org. That is www.dhamma.org. Friends, we have assembled here this evening to understand what is Vipassana and how does it help us in our day-to-day life. Vipassana is a process of self-realization, truth-realization, realization of the truth pertaining to oneself, within oneself, by oneself, at the experiential level. It is not an intellectual entertainment nor an emotional or devotional game one has to realize the truth. Certain truths which were discovered by Gautama the Buddha, a great super scientist of spirituality that the world has ever produced by Vipassana. One experiences those truths and understands at the experiential level how one becomes miserable and how one can come out of misery in a very scientific way. No blind faith is involved, no blind belief is involved, no dogma is involved, no cult is involved. The truth the truth pertaining to the interaction of mind and matter. Mind constantly influencing the body and the body keeps on influencing the mind constantly and one remains totally ignorant of what is happening deep inside within the framework of one's own body. A wonderful discovery made by this super scientist was the sensations felt on the body. When we go through the scriptures of those days in India at the time of Buddha and the scriptures before Buddha, we found there are, there were many teachers 
who we are preaching, don't get, don't get indulged in sensual objects. When the eyes come in contact with shape or form or color or light, when the sound comes in contact with the ear, when the smell comes in contact with the nose, when taste comes in contact with the tongue, anything tangible comes in contact with the body, a thought or emotion comes in contact with the mind, don't start reacting. The usual habit of everyone is, when you like this external object, which has come in contact of this door or that door, you start craving. You start reacting with craving, clinging. When you don't like that object, you start reacting with aversion, hatred. And both are dangerous. Whether you generate craving or you generate aversion, you generate misery for yourself. You lose the peace of your mind. You lose the harmony of your mind. You lose the balance of your mind. So every teacher had been preaching this. Don't react to these outside objects. A great discovery was made by Buddha. He said, no, you are not reacting to these outside objects. This is apparent truth. It appears to be so. It seems to be so. Actually, when the outside object comes in contact with the sense door, immediately there is a sensation on the body which becomes pleasant if this outside object is given the valuation, wonderful, very good. It becomes unpleasant when the valuation is given, very bad. And then the reaction starts. He discovered this truth. You are missing this important link. You are reacting to the body sensations. You are not reacting to the outside objects. And therefore, he discovered and gave us a technique to develop our faculty to unable to feel the sensations on the body. Sensations on the body, like very gross sensations, unpleasant, solidified, intensified sensations, like pain, pressure, heaviness, etc., very easy to feel. But within this framework of the body, hundreds of types of sensations are there. Some of them are so subtle. The conscious mind cannot feel at all. So subtle. Mere oscillation, oscillation. One has to develop the faculty to feel all types of sensations. And then train the mind. Don't react to these sensations. However pleasant a sensation may be, don't react with craving or clinging. However unpleasant a sensation may be, don't react with aversion and hatred. Why? Because at the experiential level one starts understanding that as soon as I have started reacting, I am becoming miserable. I am losing the peace of my mind. I am losing the harmony of my mind. 
I am losing the balance of my mind because one has gone to that depth, observing, observing sensations at a very gross level. One keeps on moving deeper, 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 reaching the subtlest level where there is so much of peace. And as soon as the defilement arises, that peace is gone. So at the experiential level, one starts understanding, don't react, don't generate craving or aversion. And one understands that I am generating craving or aversion towards these sensations, not towards the outside object. That is just the apparent truth. But the real truth is, I am reacting to these body sensations. This reality becomes so clear. How? With the practice of vipassana, a few days are given to make the mind very sharp, razor sharp, so that it becomes very sensitive, very sensitive. And for that he gave a wonderful technique. Keep your attention on a small area. He, want, he wanted one-pointed, one-pointed attention, one-pointed concentration, and that one-pointed, he said, below the nostrils, above the upper lip. Keep your attention here and observe the truth, nothing but truth, the truth that is manifesting itself. The truth pertaining to your own mind and matter, nothing else, no imagination. Whenever you decide to take a 10-day course, join a 10-day course, how will you start working? You will be asked to sit comfortably, comfortably, in any posture that suits you, that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch is a good posture for you. Not necessary a lotus posture or half lotus posture. If someone can sit in these postures, carry on, nothing wrong. Otherwise, any posture that keeps you comfortable for longer periods at a stretch is a good posture. <clears throat> Keep your back and your neck straight. This helps to keep the mind attentive. Keep your eyes gently closed. Eyes have got no function. You have to observe, that means you have to feel the reality of the interaction of mind and matter at the mental level, not with the eyes. If the eyes remain open, any outside object will distract your mind. Therefore, keep the eyes gently closed. Keep your mouth also gently closed. And now see what reality is manifesting itself. Reality. Reality pertaining to your own self, that means this physical structure, the mental structure, the combination of the two. What reality? The first reality that you will experience is the breath coming in, the breath going out. This is reality. No imagination is involved. Start with this. Just start observing. That means just start feeling the breath as it comes in, 
as it goes out. Natural breath, normal breath. Don't make it a breathing exercise. Don't try to control the breath. That is a different technique altogether developed in India, which we call pranayam. It has its own benefits. But understand this technique is totally opposite to pranayam. Here you are developing your faculty of awareness, awareness of the truth as it is. Yatha bhuta, it is as it is. If the breath is deep, just accept the fact it is deep. If it is shallow, it is shallow. If it passes through left nostril, left nostril. Right nostril, right nostril. Never try to interfere with the natural flow of the breath. Just observe. Just observe. Do nothing. No verbalization is allowed. Otherwise your mind will get involved in that verbalization. The word that you are repeating, the mantra that you are repeating. No visualization is allowed. Otherwise your mind gets involved in that vision, the form, the shape. No imagination. No suggestions, outer suggestion or auto-suggestion. No imposition of this philosophical belief or that philosophical belief. As it is, the breath as it is, just observe. Do nothing, just observe. Like someone sitting at the bank of the river and the river is flowing, this person is just observing the breath, the, the flow of the river. Does nothing for the flow of the river. Natural flow is there. Similarly, keep your attention fixed on this area at the entrance of the nostrils and keep on observing. Keep on feeling. The breath coming in naturally, the breath going out naturally. So easy. You have to do nothing. You are not here to control the breath. So easy. And yet, when you will join a course of 10 days, you will find so difficult. So difficult. You start feeling your breath, hardly a couple of breaths, and the mind is gone somewhere. And then you realize what happened. I was here to observe my breath. Oh, where you went away? All right, you start again. Hardly a few breaths. Again, the mind has gone somewhere. We notice that in many cases, the first day is a difficult day. Some of the students get very frustrated, very irritated. They start generating negativity. Negativity towards oneself. Negativity towards one's own mind. What sort of mind I am carrying? Such an easy job, and yet it cannot do. The guide will say, no, don't generate negativity. You are here to come out of the misery of negativity. Just accept the fact. The mind has wandered away. You were observing the breath, the mind has wandered away, and as soon as you realize it has wandered away, just accept the fact. Oh, the mind has wandered away. That's all. Breath is still there. All right, come back. Work with the breath. 
again you find mind has wandered away. Accept it. Start again. Accept it. Start again. You have to work very patiently. Very patiently, persistently, patiently, persistently. Second day, slightly better. Third day, still better. Mind becomes calm, quiet, tranquil. Not that it has become totally tranquil, but much better compared to the first day. And the law of nature is such, as discovered by this super scientist, if we keep our attention one-pointed with the object of reality, if you work with the object of imagination, that is totally different. When we work with the reality, one-pointed awareness, continuously, continuously, the mind is bound to become subtler and subtler, sharper and sharper, more and more sensitive. As you keep on working, in many cases it so happens, the breath initially was slightly hard, slightly fast. But as you were working, observing it, observing it, it becomes subtler and subtler, finer and finer, thinner and thinner, shorter and shorter. Like a thin thread it comes out and immediately makes a U-turn. A thin thread comes out and the mind is observing, feeling it. So naturally the mind also starts becoming subtler and subtler, finer and finer. This helps the mind to feel subtler realities, subtler realities pertaining to the mind-matter phenomena. The breath that one was observing is also mind-matter phenomena. At the apparent level it looks, this is a function of the body, function of the lungs, because of which we breathe in or breathe out. Yes, true. Apparent truth. Reality is the breath is strongly related to the mind, very strongly related to the mental impurities. One will start realizing that. Not because Buddha said so, with your own experience. As you are observing the breath, observing the breath, mind wanders away. In the past, in the future, so many thoughts arise, pleasant, unpleasant. And you start reacting. Say you reacted with anger or fear or any impurity. You will notice at that time the breath has lost its normality. It is no more normal. It becomes slightly fast, slightly hard. And when that particular impurity is gone, it again becomes normal. Oh, that is why the enlightened one wanted us to work with the breath, nothing but breath, so that we can understand the interaction of mind and matter. The first step to understand the interaction of mind and matter. As you finish three days working continuously, continuously, mind has become very sharp, very sensitive, and you start experiencing subtler realities pertaining to mind-matter. You were working on a small area below the nostrils. So in this area, you start experiencing different types of sensations, which are always there. Throughout the body, 
every moment there is some biochemical reaction or the other some electromagnetic reaction or the other every moment manifesting as this sensation or that sensation but our mind is so gross so gross it cannot feel all the sensations only very gross solidified unpleasant sensations it feels very easily like pain heaviness pressure etc but those subtle sensations it is not capable to feel now working 3 days sharpening the mind making it razor sharp very sensitive it starts feeling so many different kinds of sensation on this area maybe heat maybe perspiration maybe throbbing pulsing vibrating tingling different different kind of sensation from the fourth day onwards now you are capable to explore the reality of the entire physical structure the entire mental structure the combination of the two you start from the top of the head and survey the entire body explore the entire body every part of the body down to the tips of the toes from the top of the head to the tips of the toes and you feel sensations everywhere this sensation or that sensation everywhere there is sensation in the beginning for some students some parts may go blind we don't get any sensation sensations are there but your mind is still not sensitive to feel those sensations but you keep on working patiently persistently in a day or two you feel sensations throughout the body again initially you feel very cross sensations pain pressure heaviness heat perspiration but as you keep on observing the mind becomes sharper and sharper and you notice that all these gross sensations they get dissolved dissolved the entire physical structure which looks so solidified no more solid all solidity is gone by the time most of the students reach the seventh day or eighth day or ninth day no solidity in this physical structure dissolved dissolved so also in the mental structure mind also generates some emotion very solidified very gross you are just observing observing without reaction you are observing it gets divided dissected disintegrated dissolved dissolved the entire physical structure the entire mental structure nothing but wavelets 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 this reality was discovered by the super scientist 26 centuries back without the modern scientific instruments or apparatuses by his own insight own experience he found the entire body although it looks so solid it it is made of such tiny little particles which we call today atoms he gave the name kalapa he coined a new word for the language kalapa kalapa means the tiniest particle of the material world tiniest particle not visible and this tiniest particle is also not solid wavelet 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 not only throughout the body but throughout the universe he felt 
mere wavelets wavelets combustion and wavelet combustion and wavelet the physical structure is combustion and wavelet the mental structure combustion and wavelet he called it bhang dissolution this is not to be imagined not a suggestion by experience one has to experience look the whole body totally dissolved the mental structure the mental contents totally dissolved then what happens for the realization starts the entire body is wavelets wavelets vibration vibration the attention comes to the ears wavelet wavelet eyes wavelets wavelets nose wavelets wavelets tongue wavelets wavelets body wavelet wavelet mind wavelets wavelets all these six sense doors are mere wavelets wavelets and the entire world the world is no world for us the existence of the world is because it comes in contact with one sense door or the other if someone is deaf deaf from the from the birth for this person there is no world of any sound one is blind blind from the birth for this person there is no shape no form no color no light so the world is world because it comes in contact with these sense sense doors now one starts examining what's happening how this mind matter interaction is going on a sound comes in contact with the ear sense door the ear sense door mere vibration vibration the sound that has come in contact is also vibration vibration what happens one part of the mind there are four aggregates of the mind four segregates of the mind one part of the mind starts cognizing it look something is happening something has happened at the ear sense door or similar to the eye sense door or nose sense door or tongue sense door or body sense door or mind sense door something has happened and as soon as that contact is there contact of the sound with the ear sense door contact of the vibration of the sound with the vibration of the body a new vibration starts in the body a neutral vibration a flow of neutral vibration throughout the body law of nature as soon as there is a contact this was the great discovery of buddha as soon as there is a contact of the sense door with the sense object there is bound to be a sensation on the body this is quite neutral immediately second part of the mind will raise its head what happened what happened to the sense door the first part simply cognizes something has happened the second part recognizes with all the memory of the past with all the experience of the past recognizes oh this is sound what sound some words what words words of insult or words of praise and gives evaluation words of insult very bad words of praise oh wonderful wonderful the moment this part of the mind has given valuation to the object which has come in contact the vibration changes this neutral flow of vibration becomes very unpleasant 
very unpleasant flow of vibration the moment the valuation is given very bad this is in, these are insulting words and it changes into very pleasant sensations very pleasant vibration the moment the valuation is given ah this is very good this is very good third part of the mind starts feeling this sensation its job is just to feel it feels the sensation pleasant or unpleasant immediately the fourth part of the mind releases its head unpleasant sensation reaction 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 fourth part has the habit of reacting i don't like it i don't like it pleasant sensation ah i like it reacts with craving clinging at the apparent level it looks that i generate aversion towards the words of insult that have come to my ears i am reacting with craving towards the words of praise which have come at my ear that's true but only apparent truths buddha went deeper deeper no the missing link is so important the the word came in your ears and you reacted in between this link link of the sensation pleasant or unpleasant which makes one realize that i am reacting to sensations i am reacting to sensations and trains the mind not to react to the sensation that is why this wonderful technique of vipassana was discovered he made use of it for his own liberation and started spreading it teaching it to others to come out of misery first the mind should be capable to feel sensations all type of sensation throughout the body and the second important thing is don't react just observe remain equanimous why not just because buddha said so again everyone has to experience why i should remain equanimous one reason is that one finds whatever sensation has manifested itself unpleasant or pleasant every sensation has the same characteristic it arises passes away it arises passes away however gross solidified sensation it may be it arises stays for some time but sooner or later passes away it is not eternal it doesn't stay forever and when it turns into very subtle vibrations then also the characteristic remains the same rising passing rising passing now with great rapidity high velocity same characteristic oh it is not eternal the entire physical structure not eternal the entire mental structure not eternal the combination of the two manifesting itself as this sensation or that sensation not eternal what is the sense in reacting to something which is constantly changing pleasant or unpleasant what is the sense one starts realizing this truth at the experiential level and also starts realizing the truth at the experiential level <clears throat> when ever i react i lose the balance of my mind whether i react with aversion or i react with craving i lose the balance of my mind i lose the peace of my mind i lose the harmony of my mind deep inside i become a very miserable person so much of discomfort disturbance is going on deep inside 
that reality starts manifesting itself. He said there is misery all around and the misery starts from the birth. As you come across this illness or that illness, it's a misery. You get old, the body starts getting deteriorated. It's a misery. You face death, it's a misery. Undesirable things keep on associating with you, misery. Desirable things keep disassociating with you, misery. You crave for something and you don't get it's a misery. Yes, these miseries, we are quite known. What was the contribution of Buddha? He said, no, after that you have to go to the stage when you concentrate your mind as a pinpointedness, sankhita, pinpointed attention on truth, nothing but truth, you will find these four aggregates of the mind and one aggregate of the body, these five aggregates combined together. And what a great, what a great misery. What a great misery because of ignorance. One does not know what is happening. Deep inside, at the root level of the mind, there is a constant interaction of mind and matter. And one keeps on remaining under this illusion, delusion. This is I. The body is I. Mind. The mind is I. The cognizing part is I. I'm cognizing. The recognizing part is I. I'm recognizing. The feeling part is I. I'm feeling. The reacting part is my I. I'm reacting. I, mine, I, mine. An imaginary ego. And tremendous amount of attachment towards this ego. This makes you generate craving and aversion. Because when you feel a sensation, I am feeling, ah, very pleasant, you react with aversion. craving. Ah, very bad. You react with aversion. I, mine, I, mine. When you start experiencing a sensation, as a sensation, arising, passing, arising, passing, what I about it, what mine about it, the habit pattern starts changing. You start coming out of the misery of developing identification with the mental structure, with the material structure, and the combination of the two manifesting as this sensation or that, that sensation. Another reality becomes clearer and clearer. Every tradition in those days and even today, every religion preaches us live a moral life. And for moral life, have a disciplined mind, have a pure mind, full of love, compassion, goodwill, tolerance. This teaching was there in India, given by many teachers in those days. And it was very clear to the people because of the teachings. When you harm somebody, you live an immoral life. Immoral life means you perform such vocal and physical actions which harm other beings, which hurt other beings, which disturb the peace and harmony of other beings. This is not good. Human being is a social being, living in the society. If you disturb the atmosphere of the society, make it so miserable, how can you live in peace and harmony? Treat others as you treat yourself. This teaching was there. 
not new as given by Buddha. What Buddha gave something new? When you don't break morality, that means when you don't kill, you don't steal, you don't commit rape, you don't commit adultery, you don't speak lies, you don't speak harsh words, you're obliging others. Buddha says, yes, you're obliging others. But more than that, you're obliging yourself. You're obliging yourself. Understand? And when by this technique one starts understanding, whenever I perform any unwholesome action, vocal or physical, which will harm others, I can't perform such action without first harming myself. I can't perform an unwholesome action without generating some impurity or the other in my mind. And the moment I generate impurity in the mind, I am the first victim. I become so miserable. To kill somebody, one has to generate enormous anger, hatred, ill will, animosity. And the moment you generate that, a good vipassana meditator will realize what I am doing. The sensations, burning sensation throughout the body, palpitation increases, tension gets built up, misery. Misery, I'm making myself miserable. You steal something. You can't steal without generating greed. And the moment you generate greed, the peace of your mind is gone. The balance of your mind is gone. I'm harming myself. One commits sexual misconduct. One has to generate enormous passion, lust. Again, peace is gone. Harmony is gone. The balance of the mind is gone. One becomes miserable. One speaks lies to deceive others or speaks harsh words to hurt others, some impurity or the other has to arise. Without impurity arising in the mind, no unwholesome vocal or physical action can be taken. This is reality, but discovered by the enlightened one. When you start understanding it at the experiential level, the moral life becomes a strong moral life without sermons with your experience. Nobody wants to harm oneself. Everyone wants to live a peaceful life, harmonious life. And look out of ignorance what I am doing. I want to harm others because I want to take some revenge. So and so harmed me. So I must retaliate. I take revenge. So I harm this person. But before harming this person, you started harming yourself. This becomes clearer and clearer. These realities pertaining to body sensations was a great discovery of this enlightened person, which no tradition in the past ever knew about it or ever taught about it. Buddha was the first person to teach, and later on also, we don't find in any scripture, any tradition, given, giving importance to the body sensations. Body sensations, if one remains ignorant, this is a junction from where a line starts for misery, misery, misery. You take the root of misery, misery. And the same sensation, you take the path of liberation, liberation, liberation. Out of ignorance, you keep on reacting to these sensations. So these sensations are there, day and night, asleep or awakened, all the time. There are sensations, pleasant, unpleasant, and you keep on reacting, craving, aversion, craving, aversion. You keep on generating misery for yourself, misery for yourself. You are aware, 
and you are not reacting. You are changing this habit pattern, coming out of misery and getting liberated, liberated, liberated. This wonderful discovery was a great contribution of this super scientist to the world, to the humanity. It worked so well. For about 500 years, people of India got best benefit out of this. But after that, due to some reason or the other, it got lost. Went to different countries, there also. Manitation of Buddha remained, but this particular was lost. One country, Myanmar, which was called Burma, maintained it in its pristine purity. Although by very few people, from teacher to pupil, teacher to pupil, more than 2,000 years, maintained it in its pristine purity. Now it has come out, first to India and around the world. People are accepting it in the same way because it is just science. It is not to convert people from one organized religion to another organized religion. Conversion is there, but conversion from misery to happiness, conversion from bondage to liberation, conversion from cruelty to compassion, and that is required by everyone. Every religion teaches it, and here is a way, and that is why people of all the religions of the world, there is no religion in the world whose followers are not coming to 10 day Vipassana courses. Their leaders are coming, and everyone finds this is our tradition. This is the teaching of our religion. Every religion teaches it, but the important point is missed, how to practice it, how to practice it. More than 2,000 Christian priests and nuns have already participated in 10-day courses, and more and more keep coming every year. I remember the first missionary, three of them, they came to the course. At the end of the course, one of them, very elderly lady, mother superior, very delighted and says, Goenka, you are teaching Christianity in the name of Buddha. <laughs> I am teaching Dharma, law of nature. Law of nature is saved for everyone. Anyone who generates anger, can you give it a label? This is Hindu anger or Buddhist anger or Christian anger. Anger is anger. And the misery that you suffer because of that, again, can you give a label? This is a Hindu misery or Christian misery or Buddhist misery or Jewish misery. Misery is misery. And when you are free from that anger, mind is pure, you start enjoying peace and harmony. Again, how can you say, this is Hindu purity or Buddhist purity or Christian purity? Purity is purity. And the peace and harmony that you experience, you cannot give any label. It is not Hindu peace or Muslim peace or Buddhist peace or Christian peace or Jewish peace. It's universal. Law of nature is universal. Like a great scientist, Buddha kept on saying, Buddha or no Buddha, the law of nature remains. It was there before Buddha, it is now at the time of Buddha, it will continue to be after Buddha. These are the words of a great scientist. So take this technique as a great scientific discovery for your good and for the good of so many others. When I generate a negativity, I am the first victim of my negativity, I become so miserable. I never keep this misery limited to myself. I keep on throwing on others. The entire atmosphere around me, when I generate anger, the entire atmosphere around me becomes so tense. Anyone who comes in contact with me at that time becomes miserable. I am making myself miserable, making others miserable. And by this technique, if I keep my mind calm, quiet, pure, full of love and compassion, the entire atmosphere around me gets permeated 
with the vibration of peace, harmony, peace, harmony. Anybody comes in contact with this atmosphere, feels peace and harmony. Therefore, the teaching of the enlightened one is a scientific way of living peacefully, harmoniously, good for oneself and good for others. But you have to spend some time to learn this technique. Just listening to these discourses, one cannot realize the truth within. One has to spare ten days of the life. It looks too much, ten days. How can I spare ten days? But you have to spare to learn this technique. Because you have to give sufficient time first to sharpen your mind, to enable it to feel different sensations. Then you have to give time to train the mind to remain equanimous with different kind of sensations. Then you can apply it in life, day to day life. All of you who have spared about an hour to learn what Buddha taught, what Vipassana is, I hope, I am sure, you will spare ten days of your life also to enjoy real peace, real harmony within yourself for your good and for the good of so many others. May all of you enjoy real peace, real harmony, real happiness. Yes, be happy. Do you believe that Jesus was the Son of God? Certainly, Son of God, such a saintly person, a prince amongst the saints, Son of God, what is God? God is truth, God is love, God is compassion. And here was a personification of love and compassion, certainly product of the good, of the God. Do I have to believe that life is suffering in order to benefit from Vipassana meditation? Don't believe. Don't believe anything. Experience yourself and you find there is misery. Look, there is misery. And then start working to come out of that misery. Mere belief won't help you. Is it really essential to practice Vipassana two hours per day? Isn't something each day better than nothing? Yes, you have to take two meals or three meals every day to keep your body healthy. And you say, little meal, one time is enough, something is better than nothing. Doesn't work. You have to keep your body healthy. So you have to give meal to your mind also to make it healthy, keep it strong. Meditate two times. First take ten days and then meditate two hours every day to keep your mind very healthy. How are your ten-day courses and centers funded if you don't charge for courses? Certainly there are no charges. How can there be charges for such an invaluable teaching? The moment we put some tag of value for the teaching, it gets devalued. It loses all its efficacy, its purity. So no charges. But at the end of the course, people who come to the course, when they find it has done them so good and they have got a path now to live a better life, out of compassion for others, they give donation so that more and more courses are arranged and more and more people get benefit 
from this technique. This is how the courses are funded. This is how the centers are funded. Is it possible to enjoy beautiful object without having craving? Yes, you can enjoy without craving. Practice Vipassana and then you will know how to enjoy without craving. Why may I not sleep in a high bed? Who told you sleep in a high bed? <laughs> but during those ten days when you practice and you sleep in a very luxurious bed, how can you practice all the time? You feel so drowsy, so drowsy and it wants you to remain alert and awakened. After ten days, sleep on high bed. Can Vipassana be taught to children? Certainly, there are children courses being given. But I recommend, teach the children before birth. When the mother is pregnant, that is the proper time to teach the child. A pregnant mother comes to the course, not for herself, but also for the coming child. What wonderful vibration, what wonderful nutrition the child gets when the mother is meditating, purifying the mind, purifying the mind. Generating love, compassion, goodwill, the child comes out so healthy, so peaceful. Whole life, the child remains so peaceful and so healthy. If you generate at the time of pregnancy anger, hatred, passion, lust, what nutrition, what sort of message you are giving to the child, child will remain very unhappy. Therefore, give Vipassana to the child before birth. How can one increase peace? During sleep, yes, before sleeping, before you get sleep, if you keep on meditating, meditating, equanimity, equanimity, you sleep in peace, and when you get up, you start meditating again, in peace, in peace, it gives you a continuity. Why we are not allowed to read or write on a ten-day course? Because you become extrovert. What are you reading? What are you writing? Again, extrovert. Now these ten days are to become introvert and experience the truth within yourself. Outside you can read all the life. The books are there. You write as many books as you like. But these ten days, better learn what is happening within the framework of the body. That opportunity you have got, make best use of it. Must ego be subdued? Not only subdued, it must be eradicated. How do you think that morality can best be taught in schools? This technique should be taught in schools and now it is becoming so popular in many schools in India and also outside other places. Children courses are given. We find some schools, they start with ten minutes of meditation, observing breath, observing breath. For the children, just observing breath. And at the end of the school time, again, before they go home, ten minutes, this gives wonderful result. Their memory becomes strong, their capacity to understand the subject becomes stronger and stronger. And of course the character building starts at this age, which is so helpful for the whole life. No more questions? Oh. <laughs> Thank you. What place 
does prayer have in vipassana when you pray whom do you pray some god some goddess some deity the best thing is remember the quality of this being wonderful quality that's why you pray that's why you have so much devotion and get inspiration to develop that very quality in you and vipassana will help you to develop that quality that quality in yourself and that is the best prayer if one practices reiki can one learn vipassana and still practice each one separately no it doesn't help reiki has got its own benefit keeping the body healthy taking certain illnesses of the body out good but it does not suit the practice of vipassana in vipassana you are observing the natural vibrations that you have within the framework of the body and here an outside vibration is given and there is a clash inside and we have found in some cases there is a big clash inside and people found very much harm two cases where the teachers of reiki lost their mental balance so it is dangerous don't play this game if you like reiki continue reiki we are not against it and if you like vipassana continue vipassana it will be helpful to you but don't mix the two why has god created this world of suffering <laughs> the god will reply how can i reply i have not created you are your own creator you are creating your suffering and you are your own liberator come out of this suffering the law is there the technique is there make use of it don't blame poor god <laughs> rajneesh used to say that western people's minds were too busy to sit and watch their breath and that active meditation like dancing music observing may be easier for them do you agree oh no <laughs> such large number of western students are coming to the courses and they are observing the truth in themselves they are observing the breath they are observing the sensations and coming out free from this misery or that misery happier and happier someone who never knew what real technique of vipassana is might have given this kind of statement which is totally wrong an angry mind can make others around feel anger a peaceful mind can make others around feel peaceful what happens if a peaceful mind is around an angry mind the angry mind will become peaceful that is why if you generate anger because somebody is generating anger you also generate anger anger and anger anger it multiplies it keeps on multiplying both of you become miserable that person is burning with anger you throw petrol on this person he throws petrol on your anger both of them burning 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 miserable after the course do people find they have more energy during the day certainly more energy i can speak of my experience and experience of thousands of people around the world as a businessman so busy with so much of stress and strain in the life 
after working for about eight hours, I used to feel so fatigued, so exhausted. After Vipassana, ten hours, twelve hours, and yet one feels so fresh. It gives you more energy to work and better results. You can make good results, quick results. Everyone in the life has to pass through ups and downs, vicissitudes. You keep the balance of your mind, and that is how you live a better life. You give better results to your life. Is Vipassana more suitable for prisoners than for others? <laughs> Those who are living behind the walls of a prison or behind the bars, they are not the only prisoners. Everyone outside is also a prisoner. Everyone is a prisoner. Prisoner of one's own unwholesome behavior pattern at the depth of the mind. All the time, generating some impurity or the other. And because of this prison, one remains so miserable. Come out of this prison. Forget what the prisoners are suffering. You are also suffering. Come out of your suffering. Can animals be liberated? Reach nirvana? If they can practice, yes. But they can't practice. What can I do? How can I put the help? One must be able to understand what is being taught and then practice. Human being, the nature, or you say the God Almighty, has given this, this ability to a human being to observe the truth within oneself, change the habit pattern of the mind, and come out of the misery and get liberated. Good. So these are the last questions. After that, I am liberated. Good. Why ten days? How about five or seven days? <laughs> Bargaining. Bargaining. Bargaining won't help. I was born in a business family. From the very childhood, I knew how to bargain. So when I went to my teacher, I told, ten days, so difficult, sir. I am such a busy person and understand I am very intelligent. You just teach me, I'll practice at home. Why stay here? He won't agree. Oh, that one day. I'll be with you one day, good enough. Two days, nothing doing. Without ten days, you can't go to the depth of the mind. It is not an intellectual game only. You have to experience things. Three days, minimum three days are required to sharpen your mind. And then you start feeling sensations. And then it takes time to come to the stage where you feel all kinds of sensations, subtle, gross. And then you train your mind to remain equanimous with the sensation, purify the mind, and then you learn how to generate love, compassion, goodwill for others. Ten days is minimum. Hundred years back, this course was given only to people who could spare forty-five days. In this today fast life, 45 days, who will come? I would not have gone, I would have missed this. So they reduced it, reduced it to 10 days, less than that. It is a futile exercise, it won't help people. Therefore, spare 10 days of your life and get benefit of this technique. Don't bargain. <laughs> will acupuncture interfere with the benefits of meditation? Nothing doing. So long as outside vibration is not given, nothing is wrong. All kinds of physical exercises, 
all kinds of physical therapies are perfectly all right. My son was murdered in sleep. I am in pain. How do I help young people to seek peace and harmony? Certainly, it's a great pain for such kind of tragedy. But if you take a Vipassana course, you will understand. First, you have to come out of this great impact of pain that you have in your mind, working on it, observing the sensations. This deep pain will come on the surface, layers after layers it will pass away, so you will come out of the impact of this deep pain. Another important thing that you will understand is the vibrations. When you remember your child who has gone away, by crying he won't come back, can't come back. But wherever he has gone, you always want this person, your child, to remain peaceful, happy, liberated from misery. But the vibration that you are generating by weeping, those vibrations, when reaches him wherever he is, will make him so uncomfortable, so unhappy, so miserable. You want your child to remain happy, and yet you are creating vibration which will make him very unhappy. With practice of Vipassana, you will learn that whenever sorrow arises, remembering that incident, you will start generating love, compassion. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. Wherever you are, may you be happy. May you be peaceful. Those vibrations. Without this person knowing who is giving this vibration, who is my mother in the past life and all that, nothing. But those vibrations will make him feel so happy and so peaceful. Take a course and see that you come out of your own misery and you help your son also to come out of misery. During meditation, why is the purification process so painful at times? Because you accumulate so much of pain deep inside. So much of painful actions that you have taken, they are all stored in your storehouse and they keep coming on the surface. Any impurity that you have stored in, inside, when it comes on the surface, it will come as a pain because the result later on will be pain. Now it is coming as a painful sensation. You are observing, observing, it passes away. You are paying back your debt of the past. You are coming out of your impurity. To attain the stage where there is no more pain, there is no more impurity, there is no more discomfort, there is no more misery. Take 10 day course, learn this technique and come out of all the miseries. May all of you enjoy real peace, real harmony, real happiness.